0: Well good morning Cedar Creek Church. How is everybody this morning? I hope you are well. My name is Wes Holbrook. I'm one of the pastors here at Cedar Creek and I am so glad to be with you here today. Whether here is at uh, our original campus, the Banks Mill campus, or whether you're at one of our other campuses, Ridge West or uh, Hookstown, or just maybe you're watching online through the magic of the internet. Wherever you are, we are glad you're here with us today and I'm excited To be here, to have an opportunity to speak and to share some things with y'all that God has put on my heart. And so uh, let's start like this. There is an old story that goes um, like this. There's a small country church and they were looking for a new senior pastor. And so as the process goes in uh, traditional churches, they had invited uh, a fellow to come and to speak and to, to, to share with them on a Sunday morning a message that he had prepared so that they could check him out. So that they could see how he was. And so the, the pastor shows up that morning and he uh, begins to, to give a message that he has prepared. And man, it is fantastic. It is theologically sound. Uh, it is it is a little bit humorous, but not too much, right? Uh, it's got some really great uh, cultural references and illustrations that help them connect. It was just awesome. And by the end of the message, the crowd was just all Uh, unanimously in agreement that they were going to call him to be their new pastor. So sure enough, they asked him and he came and the next week he showed back up on Sunday morning and he began to preach and give another talk. Only it was the same talk. He began to give the exact same message that he had given the week before And, and, and it was theologically sound and it was all about Jesus. It was a little funny. And it connected really well, and his illustrations were even better than they had been the week before, but it was the same message, and it was a little confusing. And then the third week, he showed up, and he began to to preach again, same message, same points, same illustrations, same jokes. People started to worry a little bit. They started to wonder, what have we done? What is going on with this guy, right? They started to grumble a little bit. They started to write complaints on their tear-off card. Anonymously, of course, you can't sign your name to those things. The next week he showed up and week four, same message. Man, the folks were all up in arms now. They were grumbling big time. They called a business meeting, which is something that happens in traditional churches. We don't do that around here, but they, get, they didn't let the pastor know, of course, but they all showed up to meet and to talk about what had been going on. And so the deacons and the elders and everybody was there. What's going on? We get the same message week after week. And they said, All right, listen, if he shows up this week, we'll have the head deacon say something to him. We're going to put a stop to this. Sure enough, week five, the new pastor comes in. He begins his message, and obviously it's the exact same message. And the, the head deacon stands up from the front row and he says, Pastor, if I might interrupt just for a second. He said, What's that, deacon? He said, It sounds like this is the same message we've had for the last four weeks. Don't you have something else for us? The pastor smiled and he looked down and he said, as a matter of fact, Deacon, I do. And as soon as all of you start living out this message, I'll move on to the next thing. Right? So here we are in week five of our series, Faith with Benefits. We've been walking through the book of Galatians, and and maybe you're here this morning and you might be feeling a little bit like these folks at this church, that, that we've been saying the same thing over and over the last few weeks, that Paul, who's the guy that wrote this, this letter, this book of the Bible to these folks in a place called Galatia, that maybe he's saying the same thing over and over again. And, and if that if you're feeling that way this morning, let me just encourage you, don't, don't check out. God has got something to say. And, and I want to give you just a tip if I could. Um, whenever you see something in the Bible. When you're reading and studying the Bible and you see something uh, that's repeated over and over again, take note because it's important. We see that all throughout this letter of Galatians that Paul is saying the same thing over and over, but he's turning up the heat a little bit, right? Each week he's, he's said the same thing but in a little bit different way and he's challenged us a little bit more. So when you see something that's been repeated, it's important, right? It's true in our lives too. Think about this. Moms, dads, what do you say to your kids? Did you brush your teeth? Did you brush your teeth? Did you brush your teeth? Have you cleaned up your room? Have you cl- Did you turn the lights off? Did you eat your vegetables? Eat your vegetables. Did you eat your vegetables? It's important, right? We repeat the things that are important. Same is true with Paul. He is repeating these things, not just because he doesn't have a lot to say, but because it's important. Paul is saying this, he's turning up the heat, and he's making a passionate plea to the people that he's writing to about something that's important. See, here's something else we need to understand this morning. This book, for us, is a book of the Bible, and it's broken down into chapters and verse, but this was a letter. This was sort of one continuous thought that Paul was writing and and trying to get his point across to these folks. And so let's look at it that way as we've gone through this series. Let's think about it as Paul has a thought. And he is giving it to us, and we've just kind of divided it up throughout history. If you're new this morning, uh, what's going on here is that this, the the churches in this area called Galatia, which for us today it would be modern-day Turkey. Uh, some folks there, some new believers, uh, had started to hear some teaching from some church folks. Some of the folks from Jerusalem had showed up. And and they were uh, historically Jewish, the folks in Galatia were not, they were Gentiles. And so these folks from Jerusalem showed up and they started to say some things like, hey, faith in Jesus is the way, but you also have to be Jewish, so to speak. You have to follow some of the laws and some of the regulations, some of the traditions that we have, you have to have. And Paul says, that's a lie, straight out of the pit of hell, right? Right? Paul is challenging that assertion. These folks have shown up, they they call them Judaizers and troublemakers, and they're trying to to change the way these folks think. It was a false teaching. And so Paul has written this letter to dispute it. The first verse in in this chapter is Paul's plea, that Christ's followers not allow themselves, and this is the challenge for us today, that we not allow ourselves to be tricked into believing that something that wasn't the true gospel of Jesus. When we talk about faith with benefits, which is the name of this uh, series that we're in, the benefit for this week is freedom. Let's look at chapter 5, verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And that sounds tense, doesn't it? Slavery? What's he talking about? Well, the opposite of freedom is slavery. And and slavery is something that these folks understood because historically, that was a part of their history, right? The Jewish people had been slaves for hundreds of years in Egypt. They'd been delivered from that. And now, they had been in a system of laws that had enslaved them. They had been trying to earn their salvation by, by doing things. And so Paul says, don't let yourselves be burdened again by this yoke of slavery. It's like Jeff said a couple of weeks ago, if you were here Uh, Jeff Pruitt's message, he was talking about the babysitter versus the father, right? The law was intended to to be a guide, to be a help, but it was never intended for salvation. And so they chose the babysitter over the father. And and Paul is saying today, this is a false teaching. This is not the truth of who Jesus is and what he has done. And let me just say, if y'all have missed any of the messages the last uh, four weeks, please take some time, go back and watch them. Uh, you you will get a better understanding of this whole uh, book and what Paul is saying uh, not only to the folks at Galatia but also to us by the power of the Holy Spirit today. So here's what I want to do. I want to read chapter 5 and then I want to jump in and I want to share some things with you uh, that God has laid on my heart that I see in this passage this morning. So let's go. If you have your Bible you can turn to Galatians 5 or if you have your Bible app you can click there Uh, Or if you don't have a Bible or an app, don't worry. We have some key verses that will be on the screens for you later. I'm just going to read this. It says this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. Some translations say listen or take heed. There's an exclamation point there. Paul is saying pay attention to this. I, Paul... Tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You are trying to be justified by law. You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. But by faith, we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. Listen to this. The only thing that counts, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. Paul's saying that doesn't come from God. This thing that you're doing, it is not of God. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. Brothers, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. What? Is that in the Bible? Paul's talking about circumcision and he says, hey, if that's good, why don't you just go all the way? This is is tense. He's talking serious stuff here. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other." So Paul says that the greatest enemy of our freedom in Christ is legalism. It's legalism. Legalism means anything that you say or do to try to earn the favor of God. That's not what we want. We want to come straight out of legalism, right? We want to be done with it. We want to leave it behind. Paul says it's about freedom. Christ has set us free for freedom's sake. Why are you still going back to this legalistic system? Why are you still holding to these laws and requiring people to hold to these laws? It's faith alone and Christ alone, nothing else. But I think that we all have a tendency at times uh, to let legalism get in the way of our freedom. I know I do. And and I hate legalism. Sorry, new mic. Um, And if I could be completely honest this morning, I hate um, homeowners associations. That, uh, all right, settle down now, some of you covenant Nazis. Don't send me nasty emails. Uh, Let me explain my position. I believe that homeowners associations are well-intended things, right? They are set up to do something good, to give us a standard and a guide so that things can stay a certain way and protect us, right? Sound familiar? But many times, in my experience most of the time, they run amok, right? Um, And I I say this because I have served on my homeowners association years ago in my neighborhood, um, two years. And once as a vice president, once as a president. But uh, several years after that, um, I got a letter from my homeowners association. I was still with the FBI at that time. Um, God had not called me out of that into ministry yet. But uh, uh, I used to park a trailer in my driveway occasionally. Uh, Just two or three days. I did firearms training, SWAT training, stuff like that. So I had this big white trailer that I would um, take all of our equipment around. And I would park it in my yard when I was in a training cycle. And then I would take it back to Columbia. That's where it lived. But this one particular time, um, uh, I got a letter from the Homeowners Association saying, hey, you got a trailer in your driveway. (laughs) Like, I didn't know that, right? Well, one of the things that I knew, I had changed the rules when I was the president. You used to be able to anonymously uh, complain, right? Like the tear-off card, you could write a complaint on there and put it in the basket, nobody knows. By the way, if you do that, we throw those in the trash, just so you know. If you're not willing to put your name on it where we can have a conversation, we don't even pay attention to it. It just goes right in the trash. But back then, our homeowners association used to get these complaints unsigned, and they would like send you letters. So I changed that to say, hey, you got to put your name on it. So sure enough, I knew this letter. Somebody had to put their name on it, right? So I called a friend of mine who was on the board. I said, hey, who complained about my trailer? It's only been here for a day. It's only going to be here for another day or two. And so my friend said, it's this guy down the street. So I knew, because I've lived there for 20 years, that every neighborhood, every yard in my neighborhood has a covenant violation on it, right? I've seen all the complaints. I've been around the neighborhood. I've seen it. So I got in my truck. I drove down to this guy's house, and I started taking pictures of his covenant violation. And he looks out the window, and he sees me, and he comes out there, and he goes, what are you doing? I so said, I'm taking pictures of your covenant violation. This was not of the Lord, by the way. If I could just say that, this was total flesh. Um... This was totally me. Uh, He said, I don't have a covenant violation. I said, you sure do. You have a satellite dish right there, visible from the street, and that's a violation. I just took pictures of it. Got in my truck and left, went back home. About an hour later, I got a call from my friend, said, hey, don't worry about that letter. Uh, We just got a call saying uh, the complaint's no longer um, being issued. I said, praise God. So here's the deal. We all have violations in our life, right? We all have a tendency though, I think, to see other people's violations more clearly than our own. Or we we see what other people aren't doing that we think they should be doing. And we can get legalistic about that. That's what's happening in Galatia. Some covenant Nazis showed up from Jerusalem and and they're complaining about what the people aren't doing, and they're trying to get them to do those things. And Paul says, absolutely not. Look at verse 3. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. Paul says if you accept a little, you got to accept it all. A little bit of yeast works through the whole batch of dough, right? If you take a little, you take it all. It's not just the the, the tip of the iceberg, but you get the whole iceberg. We've been using a simple equation um, the last several weeks. I'm not real good at math, but the equation has gone something like this. Jesus plus nothing equals everything, right? And and the, the intent is to understand that if you have Jesus and you have nothing else, you have all that you need. But you can have everything and not have Jesus And and be completely lost. And so I want to flip that equation this week. And I want to give you a different way of thinking about it. And it goes like this. Jesus plus anything equals nothing. Jesus plus anything equals nothing. If you add anything at all to the good news of who Jesus is and what he has done, any work, any practice, other than faith alone in Christ alone, it is a false gospel. Paul says this in verse 4. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. And in the time that we have left this morning, I want to show you two simple but powerful truths that I see in this chapter. And it's this faith in Jesus saves us from something, and it saves us for something. Write that on your outlines. Faith in Jesus saves us from something. And it saves us for something. Faith in Jesus saves us from an eternity apart from Him, right? If you're new this morning and you're wondering what we believe as a church, we believe that the Bible is true. And we believe that Jesus is who He said He was. That He uh, is God and was God and came from God, the Word made flesh. And He lived a sinless life, though tempted in every way. The Bible says He was without sin. And because of that, He was the perfect sacrifice and he went to the cross and he died a death on a cross taking our place, the penalty of our sin and our shame upon himself. The Bible says that he died and he was buried but three days later he rose again and he is today reigning and ruling at the right hand of the Father and one day he's coming back and nobody knows when that is. If anybody tells you that they know, they're lying, they're crazy, they don't know. But we believe that and we believe that salvation comes by faith. His grace, it's a gift, as my favorite hip-hop artist Lecrae says, if heaven ain't a gift, I ain't getting in. Amen? God's grace, our faith in Jesus, faith alone in Christ alone. So that that faith in Jesus saves us from an eternity apart from him. It gives us eternal salvation. That's why Paul is so adamant and forceful in his language. This matters. This issue matters. And so Jesus saves us from the law which is religion. That's one of the fill-ins on your outline. Jesus saves us from the law, which is religion. The Bible has nothing at all kind to say uh, about religion. If I could be completely honest this morning, I know in James it says that pure religion is this, to care for widows and orphans. I'm not talking about pure religion. I'm talking about religion. I'm talking about um, rituals and practices and things that are required to earn God's favor, right? This issue of legalism. That's what I'm talking about this morning. And the Bible has nothing at all kind to say about that. Religion says you got to, right? You got to. You got to go to church. You got to be in a home group. You got to be serving somewhere. You got to be giving money. You got to be doing stuff. Got to, got to, got to. That's what religion says. That's what the law says. It's all about what you do. The gospel says it's all about what Jesus has done. and Jesus saves us from the law, which is religion. And if I'm being completely honest this morning, all of these things that I mentioned, going to church, serving, giving, being in a home group, they're all good things. But sometimes I can get legalistic about them. I can judge other people around me when I know they haven't been in church in a while, or when I know that they're not in a home group, or when I know that they're not serving, I can get legalistic even about these good things, because I know that they're, they're, they're good things. They're spiritual disciplines. They're things that God wants us to do. But, but hear this. Legalism is not an act in and of itself. It's a heart issue. It's a thought. It, it, it's what drives the action, right? Right? So we can, we can want these things for one another and for ourselves and it not be legalistic. We just have to check our heart. We just have to see where we're at and what is our motivation behind doing it. Chapter, or verse six says this. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The second truth that I see in this chapter is that Jesus saves us for something. Jesus saves us for a purpose, which is relationship. Which is relationship. A relationship with him and a relationship with others, right? Jesus was asked one time, what's the greatest commandment? He said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is just like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Paul mentions that in this chapter. Love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, I have this little thing in my notes right here. I wish I had given it to the media guys so that they could put it up Uh, But it's just a, we've been on math equations lately, so it's just relationship, greater sign, religion. I've I've got that in my notes. Maybe you want to write that down as a reminder this morning. Relationship is greater than religion. See, when we have a relationship with Jesus, we live by the power of his Holy Spirit. And it changes everything. It changes everything. It, It changes got to, to get to. It changes I got to do this to I get to do this. Now, y'all need to wake up this morning. This is good. I'm just going to get a little bit louder. Maybe that'll help us. I don't got to go to church. I get to go to church. How many places around the world can't worship, can't gather, can't be in a public environment celebrating their faith in Jesus? We get to go to church. We, we get to worship with the family. We get to, to be filled up, to be encouraged, to be challenged, to be maybe a little convicted. We get to be in a home group. We get to meet on a regular basis with others that are, that are just trying to grow in their faith like we are. We get to do life with one another. We get to show up at the hospital when somebody's sick and pray for them. We get to bring food to their house when they're struggling. They get to t- do that for us. It's a blessing we get to do. We look at it like a burden that we got to do. Y'all, we get to serve. We get the privilege to serve one another. We have a core value statement around here that says we're never more like Jesus than when we're serving others. We get to serve others. We get to, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. What a privilege that is. We get to give. We get to give our time, our talent our resources, our money. We get to give the things that God has blessed us with back to him and to others, right? We believe that God blesses us to be a blessing to others. That's why he blesses us in the way that he does. We get to do that. We don't got to do that. We get to do that. Listen, if you, if you give to Cedar Creek Church, can I just tell you, um, you are a part of, of, of stuff you don't even know. Uh, and unless you've ever been on a global outreach trip or you've spent time with any of our local outreach partners, you—you you don't. Th- can I just thank you, no matter where you are, if you're here, if you're watching online at one of our other campuses, if you give to Cedar Creek Church, thank you, thank you, thank you. You are making an eternal difference. If you serve anywhere on your campuses, you are making an eternal difference. If you're doing life together with others and, and you're living out this mission and vision, you are making an eternal difference difference and I don't want to be legalistic about it I want to just encourage you because I know that God has grown me in my life over the last 20 years as I have participated in these things as I have been to church as I've been a part of various home groups that have multiplied over the years as I have served in various environments uh, at our campuses it's not about us y'all if you've never heard that let me just be the first to tell you today it's not about us. It's about Jesus and it's about his kingdom. Look at verses 13 and 14. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command love. Your neighbor as yourself. It's interesting to me that Paul didn't say the whole thing. He didn't give us the whole great uh, commandment like Jesus did. And and I I spent way too much time reading commentaries the last couple of weeks. Um, But one of the things that I got from Martin Luther's commentary about this this passage was uh, loving your neighbor as yourself is a way that we love God, right? Jesus says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. As we love our neighbor as ourselves, a selfless love. We're loving God. Paul gives us two lists in this chapter that I read. One is a list that's not very good. It's a list of things that are are bad for us, that are harmful, that are not helpful at all. The other is a list that comes from living a life that's led by the Holy Spirit. Paul calls them fruit. A good friend of mine reminded me this morning that it's singular. There's a bunch of words, and I'm going to read them to you, but, but they're all together. One, fruit of the Spirit. And it's not a coconut, and it's not a banana. Banana! All the Kids Creek folks got that. Nobody else did. Thank you for serving in Kids Creek. I'm not crazy. You know exactly the song. Verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I love this line right here. Against such things, there is no law. There's no law against this fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in our lives. It, it, these things are good things, and there's no law against them. So how do we know? How do we know if, if this fruit is in our life? Uh, I'll just tell you, um, living a Spirit-led life is a challenge. Um, it's not something that you do every minute of every day. If I could be completely honest with you, there are times when I, I don't want to do uh, what the Spirit tells me to do and leads me to do. But I want to share a quick story with you. It was one of the first times in my life that I realized The Holy Spirit was leading me. Uh, I was still an FBI agent. I was driving that Suburban with that trailer I mentioned earlier. And I was at the Hardee's up on number one right by I-20. I was getting breakfast. It was early in the morning. I was getting ready to go to a a shoot somewhere. And um, as I'm parked in the drive-thru, I see this guy come out of Hardee's. And he's obviously homeless, disheveled, long hair, long beard, uh, just raggedy clothes. But the thing I noticed about him was his shoes. He had on a pair of flip-flops. And I kid you not, the soul of those flip-flops was as thin as a piece of paper and instantly a a voice inside of me said hey you know what you've got a pair of flip-flops in the back of your truck and I did and they were great flip-flops they were my favorite flip-flops of all time they were Merrell's they had a sole on them about that thick I could run in them they held my feet so great and I thought surely not Lord surely you don't want me to give away my best flip-flops but in that moment, I said, Lord, he walked across, and he went into the raceway or racetrack, whatever it is, that gas station. I said, Lord, if you'll if you'll bring him out, I'll pull up over there, and I'll offer him my flip-flops. And sure enough, I pulled over there, and he came out of the store, and I rolled down the window, and I said, hey, man. He said, hey. I said, what size do you wear? Your shoes? He said, 12. I said, perfect. I got a size 12 pair of flip-flops for you. He said, thanks, man. He took them, and he went on. And I drove out and got on the interstate, and I looked in my bag, and I realized I had a biscuit that I had just picked up from Hardee's, and I thought, why didn't I give him my biscuit? And I started sobbing. I don't know why. It was crazy, right? My wife, you know, says I cry at everything, and I do. It's just that spirit in me. So I got home, and I said, honey, this is what happened today. i got to tell you. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get a backpack, and I'm going to put shoe, uh, hiking boots in it because i got an extra pair and some wool socks and some food and some stuff, and I'm just going to keep it in the truck, and if I see that guy or anybody else, I'm going to give him that bag. Sure enough. Two weeks later, I'm uh, at a gas station across the street from where that Hardee's is, and I'm sitting there pumping gas, and I look up, and there's Flip Flop Guy. That's what I call him. Flip Flop Guy walking down the sidewalk. So I, I violate, like, all kind of traffic stuff, and I have four lanes of traffic. I whip around there going the other direction, and I roll up next to him, and I said, hey, man, what's up? And he comes, and he leans on the side of the Suburban like this, and he says, not much, man, how you doing? I said, good. Look, I got this backpack, and there's some boots and some socks and some food. You think you could use that kind of stuff? And he said, sure, man, thanks. And he got the bag, and he took two steps back from the car. And I looked, and his shirt said, God is good. (laughs) Are you kidding me? God is good. And I knew in that moment that I had been led by the Spirit to do this thing, to have this interaction. And I'm reminded of that, sometimes convicted of that when I don't respond to how the Spirit leads me. So, so, maybe you're here this morning thinking, how do I know when God is leading me, when the Holy Spirit is leading me in my life? Well, let me just say this God will never tell you to cheat on your wife, God will never tell you to cheat on your taxes, God will never tell you to hate somebody, God will never tell you to get drunk or to get high. God will never tell you to worship an idol, that's anything that you put a priority on, over God. He won't tell you to do those things, right? But if if we look at our lives, what what does it look like? Do we we experience the joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Maybe not all day, every day, if I'm honest. But that's the goal. We want to be led by the Spirit so that this fruit might be present in our lives. Because against these things, there is no law. What's God saying to you this morning? What's that small, still voice saying to you in your heart this morning? Are you listening? And will you respond? Let's pray together. Father I thank you so much that you are a good God that you are a loving God and by your grace through our faith in Jesus we can call you our God. Jesus I thank you for who you are and what you've done. That you stepped out of heaven and came to this earth on a rescue mission for sinners like me for sinners like us. To make a way for us that we couldn't make for ourselves. Lord I thank you that when our faith is in you, that you save us from an eternity apart from you, that you save us not only from something, but you save us for something. You have a purpose. You have a plan for our lives. Lord, I thank you that your Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us, to lead us, to guide us, to show us how to live. And I pray that for all of us today. I pray for my friends that are here this morning at any of our campuses or just watching online that don't have a relationship with you, Jesus, I pray for my friends who have been caught in legalism, who have been caught in religion, that all of us would come straight out of legalism, that we would take a step, that we would trust you by faith and that we would live in the freedom that you provide. Help us to trust you, help us to love you more, Help us to do the things that you have called us to do, to to meet together, to not give up meeting, to worship you, to serve, to give, to, to do all of the things that you have empowered us to do because we know that in those things you grow us to be more like you, Jesus. That's your goal for our lives and that's our hope that we would listen and respond. We love you. We thank you. We pray all of this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. I've been blessed this morning uh, incredibly by a, a man who I've known for a very long time, uh, and I just wanted to introduce him to y'all and his lovely wife. So, Coach, would you um, come on up on stage? Miss Charlotte, just round this way right here. Um, when I was a 17-year-old or 16-year-old knucklehead high schooler, football player, uh, a fellow by the name of Coach Jerry Raines pulled me into his office. Some of you have heard this story before, and... Um, and basically challenged me on the way that I was living my life, spoke some truth to me, and uh, was, was responsible for bringing uh, a youth service to our high school um, basketball gym where I met Jesus and gave my life uh, to the Lord. And so they're here this morning. Yeah, y'all show them some love. Thank y'all so much for being here today. I, I just, um, we've been... It's been, what, nine years, I guess, since I've seen y'all. Um, they live in Georgia, retired now, but um, faithful, active uh, followers of Jesus, I just want y'all to know uh, this is a part of my story, and were it not for Coach Raines, uh, I don't know that I ever would have made a decision to trust Jesus. I'm, I'm a, a Christ follower, and I'm a Baptist because Jerry Raines was, uh, and that's what it means to make disciples, amen? And so um, thank y'all so much for the way that you've lived your life, and what I hope today to for y'all to do today was to be encouraged because coach will tell you this morning I said I want folks to know that when they're serving in their children our children's ministry when they're serving in our student ministry it may be 30 years before they see anything come out of it coach said maybe 40 years he's right (laughs) so um just be encouraged uh, to to keep doing what you're doing God is moving he's using all of us and thank y'all for the way that you have faithfully served and loved others I love y'all and I appreciate y'all thanks for being here today and Terry's going to come. Come on, Terry. Right. Yep. Winning a state championship is wonderful. I've done that. But it's over the next day. This is eternity right here. <laughs> that's what I'm more proud of. Thank you, man.